As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Jill Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Jill Asselin. Yes, good afternoon everyone, good evening, uh, good morning, uh, bonsoir à ceux qui écoutent uh, depuis un pays francophone. Um, this is Jill again. Thank you very much for being here today, for listening, for, for your presence. I truly appreciate. Uh, it's been a, a heck of a week, I would say. Um, you know, there's a week like this, I, I kind of... Um, plan or you know a show and, and the theme comes to me early and then I don't know what's going to happen and then things happen but very very late and uh, I will share some of what had happened uh, this week the latest being about um, two hours ago when I discovered a, a beautiful article about um, dealing with the masculine and the feminine very much along the lines of my theme today uh, celebrating the feminine side of ourselves And um, so lots of things, um, they will come. They will come in, in, in due time during the show. And the first thing I would like to do, I don't do that very often, but I would like to dedicate this show to, to the woman. woman. Uh, two days ago was International Women's Day. But there's also one additional reason why I wanted to, de to dedicate this show to, to women is uh, it's very interesting the timing again is um i was reading an article uh briefly reading an article by uh, that um, was given to me by john smallman called healing the mother wound and i will say uh, a few words about what it is uh it's a mother wound between mother daughter and that i think came to me on saturday at the time i was thinking about the theme and the feminine side came the feminine side of ourselves more than the the woman side came came to me in the end but at the same time i found very uh, interesting that in the past two or three months i've been in touch i've built um relationships with women uh mature women who are in the either in their 50s or 60s and those women i think i can think about three of them um have issues or wounds, if you want, uh, with either their mother or, or their sister, sisters, I don't know, one of their sisters, I don't know. And again, you know, we have one instance of someone in that situation having um, issues and wounds, um, which is not surprising, but um, three of them, uh, and the last one, I think, came last Monday, and I thought to myself, you know, there may be a message for me as well. And I spoke so much about um, the sacred wound last week, and I've been, you know, talking about it for quite a while. It's it's a concept uh, again from Bill Plotkin that talks to me so much. Uh, it's amazing when you you know realize um, in retrospect, and in this case, the retrospects um, happened occurred about 20 years later. What, what had happened to me uh, 20 years from my uh, dark um, dark night of the soul. But in retrospect, you know, after my, my wood in, in my childhood, it's, uh, it's very enlightening. And, and 
I couldn't help but, but wondering, you know, why did it happen to me so late in life? This, this explanation about what, um, what I went through and what so many people went through, go through. And so today, again, I want to, to have a special, um, special blessing, a special uh, thought uh, for the woman. Um, as I'm sure there's many of you, many of you that are listening and many other you may know, that are having issues with their mother or with their sister. And from what I understand, talking to some of these women, it's uh, what really matters is not so much to rebuild a relationship. Sometimes it's not even necessary. But I think what really matters is to take care of our own uh, healing. And that's something we can do. Something, sometimes we cannot do anything about uh, the relationship itself. It's, you don't know what it's meant to be and what it's meant to happen. Um, when I was reflecting to with one of my friends, she said that a lot of light workers these days have uh, issues with their uh, biological families and tend to get along much better with their spiritual families. And um, that is true to some extent. I think it varies from person to person. It may also made me feel very grateful for my own situation. Uh, I had a somewhat difficult childhood. Um, again, I won't go into the details. I've explained uh, that in in depth uh, for a long time. But in the end, you know, 40 years later, um, still in touch with my mother, who is in a retirement home, and still in touch with my brother. So I guess that's, and things are getting better, much better with my brother. So, you know, as long as we do the work that we are meant to do, I guess there's a reason why things happen. And I think it's very important for us um, not to dwell in a, to dwell, and yeah, to dwell is the word in a, in a complaining, uh, in a in a negative spiral where we only think about the bad things. And it's uh, it's interesting. I'm saying this because um, I was reflecting during the week after I chose the theme. I was reflecting on the feminine uh, influences in my life, and the first two that came to mind were very unpleasant in school, and. Um, Two teachers, one when I was in fifth grade, uh, a biology teacher, and her name, last name was Lapierre, I still remember that, and she was calling the girls in the class by their first name, and she was calling the boys by their last name, and I felt so, so bad and so hurt about that, and I think it left a very bad feeling, a very bad taste in my, in my soul, in a sense. How can you treat, you know, genders like this? I mean... It's, I couldn't understand that, and I was 10 or 11 years old, so it's, you know, still it sticks with me. It's interesting. And the second one was um, a math teacher I had in 11th grade. Her name, I still remember her name, Scaliola, and uh, from Corsica. Very strong woman, and for whatever reason, she didn't like me, and she was sending me to the blackboard, to the board, you know, to solve uh, problems. And she was giving me such a hard time. And um, that's the way it is. But it's very interesting to me that, you know, come to think about, I was reflecting on how do we develop our feminine side who helps us to do this, to nurture it, uh, to nurture the creativity, the beauty, um, the need for relationship and affiliation in our lives. How does it, you know, how does it happen? Where are the, the, the core influences in our lives? And um, 
I couldn't go back to my mother because uh, my mother was much more uh, achievement-oriented, if you want, and, and running the coop, in a sense. And this morning, about 30 minutes ago, when I was sitting and reflecting, uh, I had some nice thoughts about my father, which was by far the most feminine in the family. And um, that's the way it was. Um, interesting, the thought that came back to me, he was a very withdrawn, he passed away 11 years ago, so it's been quite a while, but he was a very withdrawn man. And um, I think he had a very difficult childhood as well. He kind of escaped uh, from his family during the war and, and went into the, the free zone in France uh, in, a, in a department, in a kind of a county called La Creuse. And that's where he studied for about two or three years. I think he got his degree in 1943. And I remember we went back with a colleague of mine uh, in 2002. We were traveling through France. And we happened to be driving very close to his school. He was uh, studying for being a carpenter. And we stopped at the school and we introduced, I introduced myself and uh, we got him a, a brochure about the school. And I'm sure the school had changed quite a bit in, in uh, 60 years. And I gave him this brochure. Obviously, I wanted to, him to reminisce, to remember some good times. And he had tears in his eyes when he was um, reading you know, the brochure. And yet, he shared so very little um, about what he had experienced. And, um, and apparently, from what he was saying, you know, that he spent his best uh, childhood, kind of a young childhood, years when he was in that school in his late teens and early 20s, studying. And he was staying with cousins of us. Uh, and apparently, he had a much better experience than in his own home. And... Um, that's the way it is. I, I wanted to honor and also, in a sense, dedicate this show to my, to my father, um, of whom I know so little. And yet, he's um, been obviously a, a very subtle influence in my life. And there's one more thing also I wanted to mention about him, is that um, I took a seminar in Rhode Island a few years back talking about work um, I think it was work, peace, purpose, and place. And at some time, we had looked into the influences in our lives. Again, the, the core influences, uh, not so much feminine or masculine, but we had to do some work about our fathers and mothers. And what came through um, with my father was the, the value of simplicity. And he's lived a, a very, very simple life, you know, going to work, uh, making sure we had bread on the table every night. He was riding his moped into work. Uh, he was, I think, working. In the last few years, he was working uh, less than 10 miles away from home. He never learned how to drive, so he had to use his moped, and so was my mother. But it's, um, again, I think it's, it's a necessary um, reflection and an, an honoring that... Um, that we can do. I was really wondering during the week, you know, how can we honor uh, the feminine sides of ourselves, the one that expresses feelings of creativity, of beauty, of, of connection, connection and connectedness. And uh, I'm glad it's coming through this morning. A lot of things have been, um, I wouldn't say up for grab, but it's been a very 
a rocky two days. It's interesting. Um, sometimes you wonder what's going on. Possibly the energies of the eclipse. I was I was wondering about that. Uh, and I'm not so sure. I mean, I didn't feel much during the eclipse. And last night was, emotionally was very difficult. I mean, because of what happened in the house, there were some like feelings of guilt uh, knocking at the door. And um, I was aware of that. But, you know, it's easy to be aware and, and, and not say anything or not react. But at the same time, there's still a lingering, you know, knocking, knocking at the door in your head, into the door in your head. And um, how do you put that, that knowing, uh, knowing uh, feeling to, to rest? And yet when I was doing some meditation, something else happened. So in a sense, I had put that, um, that first feeling, that first knowing, G-N-A-W-I-N-G is what I'm talking about. Um, you know, to rest. And then another one came. And then one more this morning. And, and I thought to myself, you know, what is going on? And um, what is the message here? Am, am I just being tested? Uh, does it have anything to do with the show? Does it have anything to do with um, the theme of the, of the Divine Feminine? And then something else opened up uh, about, about an hour ago when I was reading an article. Uh, and we know, it's, you know, it's very interesting the way we live life. And again, uh, I think it's very important to pay attention to what goes on in our, in our emotion, I would call it the emotional mind, and, and um, the kind of peaks and valleys we go through. And... This morning, like about an hour ago or two hours ago, was more like a peak when I was able to connect uh, an experience that I will share with you in a few minutes uh, that took place um, Tuesday evening uh, as we were putting our son to bed. And um, I was able to make the connection this morning with a, a short article that I read. And um, it's very nice feeling when you put two and two together. Because the, the questions I had for, for the week, and I think it might be um, a way for me to introduce the next segment, is, um, you know, what does this mean, my experience, in terms of the effect of the Divine Feminine? How does the Divine Feminine work in us? How does it soften us? And so the heart can take over the mind, which is one way to put it. But that's... Um, that's the way I reacted um, again to this experience that I'm going to be sharing in um, in a few minutes. To end this uh, this segment, I would like to to read a poem also that I received um, not so long ago, two days ago, and it's a, a poem dedicated dedicated to women. I think I received it on March eighth, uh, the International Day of Women, and so it's a it's a poem dedicated to to you, the woman. Uh, in our lives, in the world. And it's called No More Clichés. It's a poem by Octavio Paz. Beautiful face that like a daisy opens its petals to the sun. So do you open your face to me, 
as I turn the page. Enchanting smile. Any man would be under your spell. Oh, beauty of a magazine. How many poems have been written to you? How many dentists have written to you, Beatrice? To your obsessive illusion, to your manufactured fantasy. But today I won't make one more cliche and write this poem to you. No, no more cliches. This poem is dedicated to those women whose beauty is in their charm, in their intelligence, in their character, not on their fabricated looks. This poem is to you, woman, that like a Shahzad, wake up every day with a new story to tell, a story that sings for change, at hopes for battles, battles for the love of the united flesh, battles for passions aroused by a new day, battles for the neglected rights, or just battles to survive one more night. Yes, to you woman in a world of pain, to you bright star in this ever-spending universe, to you fighter of the thousand and one fights, to you, friend of my heart, from now on, my head won't look down to a magazine. Rather, it will contemplate the night and its bright stars. And so, no more cliches. Thank you very much. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jeel Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 
You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Thank you very much for listening and celebrating the feminine side of ourselves. I briefly mentioned, um, didn't forget, but briefly mentioned this article um, about healing the mother wound. Uh, It's written by someone called Bethany Webster. Um, It was written on February 29th. So I'm just going to briefly mention it in case you're interested. Uh, It was published on a website called upliftconnect.com. And um, it's very much uh, related and tied to what I'm talking about because it says the mother wound is the pain of being a woman passed down for the generations of women in patriarchal cultures. And it includes the dysfunctional coping mechanisms that are used to possess that pain. And the mother wound includes the pain of comparison, shame, attenuations, meaning you're feeling, feeling you must remain small in order to be loved, and persistent sense of guilt for wanting more than you currently have. And the mother wound can manifest uh, many different you know, ways and symptoms, um, having a high tolerance for poor treatment from others, emotional caretaking, feeling competitive with other women, self-sabotage, being overly rigid and dominating. And... Um, it's interesting, I'm reading this live now. I haven't spent much time with the article, but um, I think it has a lot to do with my mother experience being raised by her own mother, especially being overly rigid and dominating. Um, my mother didn't quite know how to disidentify, um, that's the word I used last week, uh, talking about Bill Plotkin's concept of the sacred one. And... Um, the story of what happened to us in our childhoods is, is our story, but it's, it's a fairly small story. It may be a seed that can eventually bloom uh, into a beautiful tree or beautiful flower, providing we, we know what, what work needs to be done. And um, I'm so grateful that I had the awareness, uh, because also I escaped my home, and I came to the U.S., and I was um, supported at the time that Things kind of exploded um, during the dark night of my soul. But I think it's very much, very important to be aware of, you know, one way on and possibly why. And sometimes it's, uh, it's a pain which is simply unbearable and that you need to get away from, from, from the cause of that pain uh, in order to take care of yourself. And so, um, this is a beautiful article, a very long article, um, that I haven't obviously um, uh, read and, and analyzed, but uh, if you're interested in the, in the concept of the, the mother wound, I would certainly um, advise you to go look, in, look into it. Again, it was published on February 29th on upliftconnect.com. What I wanted to share with you is, um, again, a very small experience uh, that has that had to do, has to do with putting our son to bed on, on Tuesday night. And it was, I don't know, it was very, um, a few seconds of a very strong spiritual experience, a very soft one, a very subtle one, that I think is, uh, is more of a, a feminine experience. I had a, a feeling of something, I will give you some background, of course, but I, um, 
I want to talk about the, the few seconds that this kind of experience lasted. Um, it was a softening, a softening of something within. Um, it's hard to describe. It felt almost like a, a balloon, you know, when a balloon um, deflates and um, it doesn't take as much space, you know, emotionally speaking. And uh, it could be the same with a pain. If a pain deflates in a sense, then it doesn't bother us as much and it's more manageable. And it could be just the fact of the deflation can be very, um, very pleasant, very soothing. soothing. And it's exactly what happened um, on Tuesday. And uh, the reason why um, all of this happened is like our son has been kind of misbehaving at school. Uh, it looked like he's looking every week for a different thing to do. And his latest is uh, very creative, that's for sure, for a five-year-old. And for the past two weeks, it happened about five times in, in eight days, which is quite a bit. He's been writing and coloring uh, one of his classmates' dress. It's a little girl. Uh, which interestingly um, had a birthday party last Sunday. But he pretends that this little girl, who is about the same age as his, as him, doesn't want to play with him. And so the retaliation is that he, he writes on, his, on her dress. And obviously the teachers are not happy. Uh, last week, I think there were some timeouts in the class, and we were informed every day. And this past Tuesday uh, was even, even more um, pronounced in a sense. It happened in the morning. They removed his crayons so he couldn't um, write anything. And then maybe after an hour or two, they gave the crayons back to him. And he did it again. And so um, my wife got um, the information and um, came home. And um, it was about time for dinner. So... We were just thinking about we're trying to lecture him a little bit and, and saying that this can't go on forever. It's been already five times and um, he had been called to the vice principal's office also that afternoon. So it's like um, it's taking on um, interesting proportions. And um, at some point I said, why don't we put him to bed? It was right before dinner. Um, we didn't mean to make him skip dinner, but I think there was an intention of, of, you know, doing something a bit more drastic than usual so that I could get a, a lesson. So I took him up to his room. I put him into his jammies right away. Uh, he wasn't happy, obviously. He realized that he was going to bed and there was a lot of uh, protest going on. And I spoke with him. Uh, my wife was still downstairs. I spoke with him and... Um, trying to reason him and, you know, lecture him about what had happened and this couldn't go on forever. I mean, obviously, uh, this is some kind of a game. I mean, uh, every night when this happened the week, the week prior, we discussed that with him and still it continues. So there's a, there's a feeling that we, are be we, the teachers and ourselves, are being challenged. And I was trying to, you know, to, to feel as angry as, as possible. I wasn't angry at all, but... Um, you know, it's like trying to play the, the tough uh, daddy. And, um, and at some point, I was like this, sitting on this bed close to him. And suddenly, I had this feeling that, again, I wouldn't call it anger, uh, possibly irritation or, or false irritation or fake irritation, suddenly got deflated. And um, 
it was an amazing feeling. It's again like a balloon that, that loses hair. Not because it's being pierced, but because something opens up, you know, you open up the bottom of the balloon and then the air goes out and then there's nothing left. There's no more space for irritation, no more space for argument. And um, I didn't say anything right away to our son, but after that my wife came to take care of him and um, eventually uh, he got back into his regular clothes and we had dinner, uh, a late dinner. But again, I'm reflecting on, the, um, on what happened. It's not even a feeling. It felt like something very surreal in a sense. And uh, again, something very feminine. Um, some, some kind of a divine experience. Um, that I can't quite, you know, put my finger on. That's what happens sometimes when we are touched by maybe angels. I don't know exactly who did that to me and how it happened, but again, and I knew that, and that uh, I knew the, what the end result would be, that we would be soon going back downstairs, but uh, I asked my wife to take over and, and to keep him in, a, in lecturing mode for at least another good 10, 15 minutes. Again, um, that's very, that was very special. Special and... Um, and that brought me to the questions that um, I share with you uh, in the first segment. You know, what, what does this experience mean in terms of the effect of the Divine Feminine? How does the Divine Feminine work in us? And... Um, if there's a feeling or is there's a movement uh, of softening, it's something within us gets softened. Obviously, our hearts. Or I would think maybe that, you know, the heart gets strengthened, but the mind gets softened. There, there's a balancing act, um, which I read about this morning in... And, um, in an article about Marie Magdalene and uh, the balancing of the masculine and feminine energies are personified to bring about the Christ consciousness. I'm going to read about that uh, shortly. But uh, it's interesting, you know, I was really taken aback and and kind of flabbergasted this morning when I read um, this short article um, that came from OM Times, OM Times. It's a spiritual uh, website. Because in a sense, like my, my uh, questions were being answered, partly, I guess, but at least I, w- I could feel a, a bigger picture for what had happened to me on a, such a small scale, small being um, one individual, and for, for so few seconds. I think my, my softening, soft, what, what softened in me, I think it lasted for maybe 10, 15 seconds. I can still remember that feeling and the way I was sitting on our son's bed. And um, it left, you know, a very special taste. And it's not a taste that I can taste with my tongue. It's, it's a spiritual taste. I've been touched maybe by grace. I don't know. I can't, you know, there's things I can't explain. Uh, and this morning I kind of... Um, kind of got part of the answer already and I'm feeling very very puzzled and um, I'm going to read that um, 
that paragraph very soon, but during the break, I was interacting with a friend of mine who listens to the show live. And she said, I was getting messages. We are in a time when feminine and masculine energies are seeking to balance, harmonize, and co-create together in compassion and create an effective momentum forward. And it's, uh, it's very much what I'm, uh, what I'm feeling as well. Uh, there's a movement, and that's a, it's a silent. It's a very subtle movement that has been going on for quite some time. But I think it's making its voice uh, being heard. It's getting stronger and louder. I can, I can tell. And, and again, the voice is being heard. It doesn't have to be a voice expressed aloud. It could be a single message within. And um, I can vouch now that what I felt, you know, Tuesday evening in our son's bedroom was something of that nature. And it was something small and short in time, but it was something of a great magnitude. And um, and then I want to read now the again it dovetails so beautifully uh, with what we are living on a, on a on a planetary level the rising of these feminine energies and all that we have to celebrate and um, what is occurring in our hearts. The article I read this morning starts um, it talks about the Mary Magdalene's movement. Excuse me. And it says, there is an awakening in occurring in the hearts and minds of those who remember her essence, Marie Magdalene's essence. Our energies have been rooted in the fertile soil of our souls for other 2,000 years and have been growing steadily into conscious awareness. But the time has come for these energies to blossom fully like a sacred rose in the hearts of humanity. There is a collective who have heard her and are answering the call. This collective is the Magdalene Movement, also known as the Magdalene Path or the Path of the Chalice. And it's very interesting because um, there's a second paragraph I'm going to read to you in a few minutes. But what this made me think is uh, my connection with... uh, a woman uh, called Margaret Starbird. She's a Roman Catholic scholar and she wrote quite a bit about um, Marie Magdalene and uh, her union with uh, Yeshua. And I was supposed to meet with her last December and the weather wasn't good. I mean, she didn't feel like, uh, like coming to a, a Starbucks where we had uh, agreed to meet. And this meeting didn't happen. And um, she said, then uh, we spoke on the phone a couple days later. And um, she said, why don't we meet again, possibly in February or March? And, and something, so yeah, so far nothing has happened. And I was reflecting on that. I had read a book, um, The Woman with the Alabaster Jar, which is all about Marie Magdalene and also the Cathars. And uh, I reflected on that and... and uh, especially after this, you know, this passage. And I thought, you know, the timing in December, the timing was not right, right or ripe. And um, it's very interesting how things come back, come back to us. Uh, As long as there's a seed, as long as we water the seed, I think we are just in in good shape, (laughs) so to speak. And so... So I don't know if I'm going to meet again or meet with um, 
with Margaret Starbird, but uh, this is um, very, very interesting to see how things come back when they are made to come back. And possibly, you know, concerning my own life, something wasn't quite ready yet, wasn't quite ready to blossom. And uh, it's been three months now, three months down the road, and I'm, I've had such a different perspective. And um, the perspective is opening up. It's opening up to, again, the future of this show, which I'm envisioning as a possible webinar, uh, something more in interactive. And um, it's just very, um, very mind-boggling at times what, how things evolve. So I will, uh, before the end of this segment, I would like to... Um, to read uh, the second paragraph from this article, which really relates to the divine masculine and divine feminine uh, rising and merging. I think that's what I had on my, in, my, in my mind, in somewhere in, in part of my mind, the unification of the divine masculine and divine feminine. This is what, what needs to happen on earth. Um, again, going back to these patriarchal cultures, patriarchal families, very much the one I was raised with, in. Uh, these are no longer adapted, in a sense, to the kind of life which is emerging, which is blossoming into the Aquarian age. There's a need for something else, something which is, in the first place, uh, something which is much more egalitarian. Um, and that has, you know, something that we, in the first place, observe egalitarianism between our fathers and mothers in our own home, I think. Um, that's where we um, get a sense of balance or imbalance. And I was thinking again this morning, um, I'm getting sidetracked, but it's very much also related to the masculine and the feminine, that we absorb so much uh, unconsciously as a child by observing our role models, our models to, you know, in a house, which is primarily, it could be our older siblings, but it's primarily our parents, you know, providing we have the, the good fortune of having a, a two-parent family, which is not always the case. And I was reflecting this morning because um, obviously I was treating my father in our family uh, the way my mother was treating him. A husband. And I remember at some point when I moved into my own apartment, must have been in the mid-80s in France. And at some point I had friends, you know, help him move some furniture into the apartment. And my father came along, he's a carpenter, he was a carpenter, so a very handy man, and he had some few things to do with uh, boxes and, and setting up um, the furniture. And, and a friend of mine uh, was very surprised about the way I was treating my father. And apparently, I don't know if it didn't mean much detail, but I could tell that what I was doing and the way I was looking at my family was from within the bowl, within the sea, uh, providing I was a fish within the water. And when someone who doesn't share, didn't share a family culture, could look from the outside, in this case, he had a very, very different perspective. And... Um, that really opened, you know, questioning. I think it's what we need, the good friends we need in our lives um, 
to see things from the outside and, and offers us a, a different perspective of what it looks like, what our behavior looks like, what our reactions or attitude look like to the, to the rest of the world. And so um, it was a very good learning experience. I will stop for now and I will, uh, I will share the remainder of the article uh, with you in a few minutes. Thank you. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jill Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill, uh, talking about the feminine side of ourselves and um, its celebration, many reasons to, um, to look forward to the future. So I wanted to share the second uh, paragraph from this brief article from OM Times, um, talking about the Marie Magdalene's movement and, and what are these, how we're being called. And uh, this is still a big question mark. How are we being called and how can we respond? Um, I will share my thoughts on that. But here is the, the article, the, the rest of the article. Marie Magdalene's archetypal energy is beginning to rise again like a phoenix from the flames. From a spiritual perspective, the archetypal energies of the divine masculine and divine feminine have been represented in Western society by the relationship between Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Both of them had the same energetic vibration. Despite Jesus representing its form in a masculine body, 
and Mary Magdalene in a feminine body. They both represented the integration and balancing of the masculine and feminine energies personified to bring about the Christ consciousness. This consciousness cannot take place until the divine feminine energies are reinstated into the world. When this shift occurs, we will live a more heart-centered existence in unity with one another. And I think this is what the Aquarian age, which is starting to manifest, is all about. And I was talking right before the, the break about this notion of egalitarianism, which means more to me, which means more true than, than, um, than equality. Uh, equality is, I don't know, egalitarianism is more a question of putting everybody on the same, on the same level field, playing level field. And um, again, when you come from a family where the relationship is pretty distorted and one person is wide above the other, it's, it's, it's very difficult. And I've been called to this notion of, of, of enhancing, I would say, of promoting this egalitarianism in society about five, six, seven years ago. I was involved in workshops and, and seminars called The Art of Hosting. And it felt very, the way it was um, coached, the way we were uh, invited, and the way things were taking place was very much um, organic in a sense. You know, tapping the collective consciousness and collective wisdom of the group. And there wasn't a sense that, you know, someone was teaching and we were listening and the others were students. And I didn't get the sense, also something I talk about very often about putting someone else on a pedestal, putting, um, in this case, the facilitator or the teacher on a pedestal. And um, I attended about four or five of these um, meetings over the years, I think between the years 2007 and 2010. And then I finally let it go because uh, it was time for me to do things on my own and to find my own path. But it's very much the value of integration, you know, integration of the... Here we're talking about, about masculine and, and feminine, uh, knowing that the feminine has been repressed for so many years, so many decades, and so many centuries. So how do we let the, this feminine uh, express itself in society? I think it has to do in the first place with... Um, taking care, quote-unquote, taking care of these old institutions. Um, you know, one that comes to mind is a political party. And there's a big election coming up in the U.S. And I think the way the candidates go about it is very patriarchal. Um, you know, there's no gathering, there's no collective consciousness being expressed um, at each other. You know, coming from the from the people, from the people living and voting in the U.S. And there's still so much uh, competition going on. Competition and, and slander and criticism. And, and these, are not, these are not feminine values. Uh, feminine value, a feminine perspective would be much more cooperation. You know, 
What about a bunch of candidates running the country together? One Republican and one Democrat, for instance. Um, I'm not here make, trying to make suggestions, but I'm saying that the way we approach things needs to be very radically different. And um, the structures that have brought us here today are obviously, you know, spiritually corrupt. They don't provide the results that people are expecting. Uh, and I'm following the race from a distance, the U.S. race from a distance. But um, I'm kind of interested in, uh, and, you know, see what's going to happen out of this, uh, this old-fashioned type of running an election uh, from state to state. That's what I wanted to say. I know this perspective of approaching things, and so it goes back to the way children are being educated in school. Uh, how can we, you know, favor um, and promote a much more feminine perspective in the education that we are instilling into our kids? Again, the grading system may have to go. You know, what is the purpose of grading? Um, I'm not sure it serves the purpose. I think a country like Finland doesn't grade students until the age of maybe 12 or 13. I may be wrong, but the first five or six years, there's no grading. And uh, primarily, I mean, it's a question of students expressing themselves, who they are, and, and playing or doing things together. But there's no... There's no notion of, of grading, which to me sounds like a, a sanction, even if it's a good grade. But in the end, you know, grading is always subjective and doesn't lead to anything but ranking, for instance, and possibly uh, sanctioning again if the grades are no good and failing if you get an F in a class in a college. Um, so I think there's many different areas where we could um, try to instill a very different perspective. Much is needed. <laughs> sorry, much uh, needs to be done. But I, I think it has to come from a from a from a group um, a group consciousness. When there's no one single individual making decisions for the rest of the group, I think we are already approaching a, a much more a much more feminine, a much more egalitarian um, approach and ways of doing things. And so that's what comes to mind. Uh, I think on a personal level, it's, it's, we're not going to change the system you know, from overnight uh, and wake up tomorrow morning with a very different society, which is much more feminine in nature. It's not going to happen like that. And I, I think it has a lot to uh, a lot to do personally in terms of nurturing what goes on within, and possibly feeding our soul much more than feeding our mind. You know, doing meditation instead of um, watching a sitcom. I'm not a big fan of TV, but I've seen um, some shows on TV, sitcoms, for instance, that are pretty brain dead. I guess. And um, I hate when people laugh in the background. I hate that, that's for sure. But uh, there's so many activities done by corporate, not only corporate America, but the corporate world, the marketing world, 
that are meant to to dumb us down, to dumb us, uh, to dumb our emotions, and to make us function on autopilot. And that's what marketing and advertising is all about. Um, we tick in a sense. We function like uh, almost like clockwork. And um, this is not very much uh, honoring who we are. And uh, again, there's so many examples we could find in society about um, operating much more from a heart perspective, from a heart slash collective uh, perspective than, um, than just pushing a button and doing things out of a force of a habit. So I wanted to share some, um, some ideas here. Uh, the purpose, my purpose here is not so much to engineer change, but rather to, um, you know, to instill, I would say, hope. Hope and, and freshness uh, into the age. That's how I look at this, at my, at my responsibility. I've been talking into this show, into this microphone for a year now, and I'm feeling that it's about time to gear up. Yesterday afternoon was a very, um, a very inspirational time. For about 30 minutes, um, I came across a group that was coming in the UK um, that was sending out light energies. It was 1.30 p.m. on the West Coast, and I thought, you know, I might as well benefit from that. And so on 1.25, I stopped. I started to get quiet, rest a little bit, and eventually I went to my bed, to our bed. That's what the, the group uh, behind this energy setting uh, was advising. And it's interesting how much inspiration I got, how much I received, and Again, I didn't receive that. Uh, the information I received was in my mind. It had to do with the future of the show. But um, I was surprised. You know, I was thinking even about dates, so about scheduling, about the future towards the end of April. And things were coming. And I was kind of questioning, you know, could these be the energies, these light energies coming from those people? that are influencing and, and what's the word? They are doing something to my mind. They, they are softening. It is again, softening is the right word, softening my mind, so that in a sense it, it processes uh, things very differently. You know, getting inspiration, working based on intuition is a very different way of processing what goes on in the world. And it's by far... Um, a very, a very feminine approach. And uh, I won't share so much about uh, what happened yesterday, but um, in a future show, I will. Again, it has to do with uh, what I discussed last week in terms of um, taking a new, a new departure, a new beginning, a new approach to, um, to this spiritual spelunking, which is good to reflect but I've been, uh, I've been questioning myself in the past few months, you know, do I need to be a bit more directive, a bit more perspective? Uh, and what is it that the people are asking for? So if you'd like to email me, please do so. 
nurturing the um, seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Thank you very much, and have a, a lovely evening, a lovely week, and I will see you next Thursday. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giel Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again.